Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my Lit Yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Lara podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns, so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today's podcast is Wednesday Q&A. You ask questions and I answer. So I have the lineup here. Let's get started. The first one is... The most crucial exercise to hold or help your handstand. And this is by fidgeting to focus. I love that. So the most crucial exercise for helping your handstand is going to depend a little bit on your posture, your your kind of natural alignment. And for most people, more core is gonna be the answer. So whenever I say more core, I'm talking about the area between your pelvic floor and the outer shoulders, which will include everything wrapped around and in between there. So that's going to include the scapular muscles, the pelvic floor muscles, and other uh, anterior core wall muscles of the abdominals, and into even a muscle that is considered a lumbar stabilizer and a hip flexor, the iliopsoas. So the most important thing is to first be able to create a neutral pelvis and neutral spine in standing. And then you take that in a variety of movements. So in quadruped, in plank, and then eventually in down dog with the idea that you're just hinging at the hips with a, with a neutral and long spine. And that is the kind of forerunner to getting into a handstand because you've got the inverted position that you would utilize for the handstand. Now, a lot of people I have get on the wall with that. So they take their down dog, you walk it so that your heels touch the wall, and then you walk one foot up at a time. So you're in in kind of an L position, and this is a handstand on the wall. I mean, a down dog on the wall. 
This is actually harder in many, many ways, strength-wise, than actually a handstand would be. Because a handstand is when you're positioned, it's basically like Tadasana or your standing posture upside down. What happens, what the handstand is, is so good at doing is revealing where your leaks of energy are. So while you can stand and kind of leak some energy out through a tilted pelvis or splaying ribs or a forward head and whatnot, upside down, you wouldn't be able to get into handstand, much less hold it if those are happening. So it, the answer is it depends. But across the board, you it's you must create the neutral pelvis, neutral spine experience. And that includes knowing where your neck is as well. And then all of the deep core proximal muscles. So imagine all the muscles go deep, 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 muscles wrapping as close as you can in around the spine itself, around the rib cage, around the scapula, around the pelvis, and and kind of holding it together, hugging it together. Those are the muscles you need to work on. So there's plenty of core exercises to be done. You, you And you need to do them in a variety of ways, but you need to start mimicking what it's like in handstand, which is with the hands on the floor. But you can do first abdominal core stuff on your back, like I do in my Lit Daily. Um, you can do down dog and down dog on the wall. You can do planks to really get the feeling of holding the line, so to speak, that you're going to do in your handstand. And then just over and over again, working, how do you hold that integrity in your core as you shift weight onto your hands? So I have lots of drills where you're hopping on off of the bottom foot. And it's not so much about getting up into the handstand, but about how you're holding yourself in that transition. Because that transition, being able to hold yourself in all together at the core is, is really important. And that's what's going to help you get in the handstand. And then have patience. More than anything, patience is cultivated through the practice of doing something like a handstand when it's new and novel for you. If you were a gymnast or something like that, it might not be new, but it might still be different because you might have held the handstand a little bit differently, more from a place of kind of locking and bracing. And most other people, it's going to be new and anything new takes thousands of times doing it. And I, and I, that's not, that's not to um, make you exhausted at thinking of it, but just actually pretty jazzed for the path and the, just the practice, because that's what it is. So there you go. All right. The next question by Christine, she asked for tips for shoulder fatigue, not pain, but fatigue with overhead movements like Warrior 2. So if if you're not familiar with Warrior 2, Warrior 2 is when you are, you can think of this also in Goddess. Essentially, your legs are doing something in a lunge, like one leg is lunging, one leg is straight, or both legs are coming into a squat and your arms are out to the side. So they're imagine like a like you're like a bird flying. The arms are straight out. And that's an important concept because they're straight out like a bird, and you're getting actually the energy from where the arms begin, which is at the scapula. And so we have our our wings are different than the birds, but there's some similarities there, and that we can get a lot of our structural integrity and therefore strength to hold our arms up from the roots of the arm. So go for, if you're feeling a lot of fatigue in your shoulders with this movement where your arms are straight out or something like that, think about holding your arms from their base 
And that's going to mean observe what's also happening at the base. So the scapula need to rest on the back ribs or actually connect to the back ribs, rest or connect, whatever way you want to think of it. So that formation creates the structural um, scaffolding upon which the wings can spread, the arms can reach out. If your ribs tend to press, project forward, which is a, many people tend to do because we have these uh, ribs in the front that are the two false ribs don't go all the way around to the sternum. So there's more, uh, l- there's less leverage there. There's more availability for movement. So you can splay those, those ribs. And when you do that, you're not providing as best, the, the safest, most structural base for your scapula. So in your warrior two or goddess, where your arms are straight out, bring the arms straight out and then draw the front body back in space. Like literally feel like you're trying to pull your front waist back to your back. And that that includes the head. So everything moves back toward the spine and then focus on the connection of scapula to the rib cage and back and see if just by tightening that connection, it makes the lift of the arms easier because it should because the arms came from there and that's where they get their strength and you're going to get your uh, endurance from there as well. All right, the next question. This person, Sheila J. Donnelly, asks, for rheumatoid arthritis in the wrist, recommended no plank down dog because it could flare up your thoughts. So it seems like somebody recommended that you shouldn't do that because it could flare up your arm rheumatoid arthritis. Well, I've actually heard people say that, um, that they've had, whether it was a therapist or a doctor recommend that they don't weight bear on the wrist because rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune version of arthritis versus osteoarthritis, which is more of a wear and tear type of arthritis, um, can be flared up with weight bearing. Now, as far as I know in the literature, that isn't always the case. Um, meaning just it it's more like been anecdotal, which is certainly important. Like people report that weight bearing exacerbates their discomfort in RA and might lead to a flare-up. But I also know of the mental and physical despair that can cause when you're limited in doing something that you might really enjoy doing. So what I have found, and this is case by case, for the people that I've worked with that had rheumatoid arthritis is if you, if you engage your core a lot, glutes, say, say in plank. So I'd start somebody in quadruped, shoulders are over the wrist, and then dial up the amount of intensity and of activation of all those core muscles that I was just even talking about before, like as close as you can around your spine, tighten, tighten, tighten. In plank, use your glutes. They're going to help you. If all of that can be in place and you feel like there's not a lot of weight load going into your wrist joint, I think it could actually be very helpful in getting you stronger in in a very um, symmetrical way so that you're not overly loading the wrist joints and that causing some kind of um, inflammation, which then causes this flare of your immune system. Now, down dog is, to me, I think even maybe better to try because you're not 
the pressure of the sh- of the weight bearing on the wrist is not as great. And you could also put blocks under your hands in down dog if you're feeling a flare up of any kind. I think you what I found with the people that I've worked with it it was a is a little bit of trial and error. Like they would try something and at the time it felt great, but the next day it really bothered them. And then they had to kind of you know give it a couple days without doing it and then come back and try some more core work, less weight on the hands and see if that helped. So it is tricky because you're usually you're going to get the feedback later as a delayed feedback. You might feel a little pressure or discomfort, but the real like flare of the um, inflammation might not really show itself for another day. So I'd say you have to get to know your body and and your tendencies. So I've had one woman, for instance, who who knew her body so well, she kind of got a sense like, I here's a day, even though I'm feeling some stuff, some flare-like symptoms, I know if I alternate between putting weight through my hands, say like in a down dog, and then not, it'll be okay because I've done it enough that I just know that that edge I can play with a little bit, but I have to split, uh, pay a lot of attention to the activation of the core. I can't let any kind of leaks of energy go into the wrist. So I would say you need to figure it out, but don't. I think the blanket statement that you shouldn't bear weight at all. <sighs> I don't know. I don't like that kind of blanket statement. I would say if you know your body really well and it, you know that it is every single time you it hurts your your um, RA, then don't do it. Um, but but play around with it and don't just go from somebody saying like, no, you definitely should never put weight through weight in your wrist when you have RA, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Okay, um, next question. Uh, best tips, this is from Maria Lanter. Best tips for realigning the pelvis when one side, the right or left, is locked forward. Well, um, that is giving me some information, but I don't know... Um, exactly what you mean by locked forward. Probably your pelvis feels like it's rotated because something's going on in the backside, most likely. Um, It could have originally come from, say, a shortened adductor, um, which are your inner thigh muscles, like deep adductors kind of pulling that. It could have come from your TFL, tensor fascia lata, which is a hip flexor, but also it internally rotates your thigh uh, so it drew it forward. So that action of pulling forward might feel like your pelvis is further forward than the other side, but it's usually a, a soft tissue reason. So that's the first thing I would do is think about what you, where do you feel like if you say you're in a lunge or something and say the side, say, say it's my right side that's more forward than my left. And I'm in a lunge, like a lunge with my right foot leg forward and my left leg back. And you feel like you're pushing into your knee because that pelvis, that right side pelvis is forward. Take your right fingers and put them in the right hip crease and provide some space there. You might find just by putting the fingers there, you'll hit the TFL, which is that um, muscle that's pulling the thigh bone in and the pelvis maybe slightly forward. Or you might venture around to the low back, right above your right butt flesh and find that there's some tightness there. And can you lift into that and expand that? That's the quadratus lumborum, which also when it's shortened, 
um, can, can uh, hold one side of your pelvis a little bit more forward. So I would go into the connective tissue and see what is happening there that makes the pelvis uh, reflect some imbalance. Almost all of these, unless you have something different going on, you know, are a result of some imbalance in the, in the, in the tissues, whether it's the muscles or the fascia. So look into that and see if that helps you, but don't just compensate, uh, by from some other reason, like really take it in and, and use your hands on your body, feel where something is restricted and then go into that area and try and open it up more. And I have a lot of movement um, in my lit daily that specifically targets this area because so many people have tightness, I call in the Bermuda Triangle, from that inner groin of the, say it's the right side again, from the right side all the way to the outer right hip and into the back and then everything in between. So from like a three-dimensional. So I think that will help you figure out why it's feeling one side is going forward, locked forward, because it's probably not actually locked. It's probably just blocked and it's blocked from the from the connective tissue. Again, more core will help because the more you pull into the proximal space of the area around your spine and your pelvis, the more likely you're to, to get more space um, to get that unlocked feeling. So those are great questions. Thank you so much. I think it all comes back to more core. If I haven't convinced you that of that yet, everything you do um, in movement, and even when you're sitting, not moving, if you employ more core, you're going to have healthier joints. You're going to feel better. You're going to feel more energized and you're going to feel more readiness in your bodies and yourself because the core is also kind of getting you ready. And it's shown that, you know, we have, when we have core activity, we are, we have more of the brain that's firing and ready. It's juiced up because the brain core connection is, is strong and it's real and it changes your life. So there you go. As always, pulling for you. Hugs from me to you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.